This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, thank you all for tuning in for another episode of the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. My name is Sam, and I'm joined by Richard Blackaby. Hello there, Sam. Good to have you with us. Well, thanks. <laughs> hey, today we're doing uh, something we all love, and that is the Leadership Book Review. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we're looking at a book called Grit. Yeah. You tell That's us not grits from the south. Not grits. No, no, no. Yeah, that that get people kind of excited in yeah. the south, but it's the, grit. 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 Singular. Singular. Yes. Yeah. Well, important to note. We'll, yeah. we'll be sure and make that distinction. Um, so we do this uh, about once a month, uh, or whenever it feels right to us. Yes. Put an <laughs> ish. ish in there. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Not not mm-hmm. not terribly uh, uh, regular in how we do these reviews, but it's always something fun to do. And hey, you're learning something from uh, either a current or a classic uh, leadership book. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Richard, why don't you tell us why we're looking at grit today? Well, this is a more recent one. It's it came out in 2016, and it's uh, gotten a lot of uh, traction. A lot of people uh, have been uh, talking about this particular book. That's I, you know, I th- thought it'd be good to kind of highlight some that seem like they have gotten some mileage. Uh, it's written by Angela Duckworth. She's a professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, and she studies grit and other attributes that predict success in life. And I think one of the things that um, is interesting is that she basically is trying to figure out what makes some people successful and others not. Like, why do some succeed and, yeah. and, and others don't? And you you tend to think, well, some people are just smarter than other people. But, yeah. uh, but clearly... A high IQ is not a guarantee of success. Yeah. Uh, and you say it, luck? Yeah. You could, <laughs> some say luck. Uh, some can just say, well, that person's a natural. They just... Uh, they have uh, it. They have it. Uh, and you know what it is, we're not sure, but uh, clearly they just uh, took to that, uh, that uh, approach or position or task, and they just were really good at it. Uh, but, of course... It's a fascinating question. So why is it that some people are successful and others aren't? And and there are oftentimes when you, of course, anyone who watches any sports, uh, first round draft picks, you you you're paying a whole uh, staff to be uh, your scouts, checking out for upcoming talent. And you look at someone that's tearing it up in the in high school or in college or in the the minor leagues, and you think, wow, this is a sure thing. You pick them highly in your draft, and then they never play a game in the in the big leagues. Uh, yeah, and you think, well, I thought they had everything. Well, why is it they they were not able to transition that uh, to some real success? And of course, if people could figure out how to predict success, <laughs> uh, there'd be a lot of of fields that would would radically be uh, impacted by that. Sure. She uh, it's interesting that she says is um uh it she starts out in her preface she says uh, of herself she says a girl who is told repeatedly that she uh, is no genius ends up winning an award for being one. The award goes uh, to her because she has discovered that uh, what we eventually accomplish may depend more on our passions and perseverance than on our innate talent. And so, uh, kind of a biographical uh, beginning, she says, you know, her dad was not a a mean-spirited person, but 
he was just trying to help his daughter face the facts. And he's saying, well, you're not a genius, so don't expect to <laughs> turn the world upside down. Yeah. That's not exactly, you know, she probably never won any motivational awards. But, sure. uh, but then ultimately she wins a, an award that's basically called the Genius Award. <laughs> and uh, she is teaching in these prestigious schools and has all kinds of prestigious degrees. Yeah. Uh, and, and so she, she looks at her own life to say, well, I'm not a genius. <laughs> yeah. I'm not just innately brilliant, uh, but I've accomplished a lot and I'm having a lot of success. So if it wasn't based on just genius, then how am I doing what I'm doing? Right. And so she, she began really a, a, a lifelong quest then to discover. And, and that's important, number one, to try to understand what makes people successful so that certainly people that want to have success can perhaps know what they should do. But also she spends a, a fair amount of time in the book also just talking to parents to say, well, do you want to raise your kids to be successful? Hmm. Well, what are some experiences you should give them? Should you, how should you talk to them? How, how should you motivate them? Uh, should you let them attempt things that may lead them to fail? And, yeah. and when they do fail, when they want to quit, uh, do you let them quit? What do you, you know, do you, or do you, do you keep looking for things where they can succeed? Do you talk to your kids like they're the best player on their team or the best musician and, uh, in their class or w what do you do so that your kids are set up uh, in the best way possible? She for says, success? give, give, all of the kids participation trophies. Is that, <laughs> yeah? And, was that where she came down? Uh, well, uh, not exactly. Oh, oh. <laughs> now he, when she gets into it, she. And I'll just kind of just hit on just a number of things here that she mentions. Just you, it, it's again, it's one of those books you just need to read. And uh, uh, I, I found it. I like these books that kind of zero in on topics that I haven't really seen a lot of discussion on before. Yeah. Some, you know, some books are uh, they're just repeating what three or four of the books have already said. Yeah. And then you come across some that are just uh, kind of breaking new ground. And, and, and so I think this is one of those. He, she begins and looks at uh, West Point. And of course, even to be admitted to West Point, uh, to, to be able to apply for West Point, you have to have, I think, a congressman or someone even to vouch for you just to even apply. Uh, and, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, and so that's... That's yeah. a high bar. Yeah, so uh, it means you have to know somebody, uh, stand out in some way. Uh, so she says about 14,000 people begin a, the application process, I think every year. Uh, about 1,200 of those are actually admitted. So you've already gone from 14,000 wanting in to 1,200 that actually get admitted. And she said out of, out of the 1,200, 20% of them will drop out before they, they graduate. Uh, wow. and many of those will drop out in the first week or so of just as they're getting oriented. Uh, and so she was brought in to examine that. And she says like, just to get in, you've got to have brains. You've got to have a, a successful track record in school up to this point. You got to be fit. I mean, you, there's a lot of standards you have to meet just even to qualify, uh, to be admitted. So these are, these aren't just like, yeah, just call out all the you know, the, the people that aren't very smart, like they're all smart. Yeah. Uh, they're all gifted. And yet, why is it that some of the, uh, the smarter ones uh, don't make it? And there, there's an opening, an early on test that everybody takes that, uh, and kind of ranks everybody. And so you would think, well, the people that rank the highest, the people who get the highest scores would, would be the ones who'd finish. But that actually isn't true. Some of the people that start out 
the best uh, are the ones who end up dropping out. And people that didn't score as high, didn't have the highest grade point average or whatever else, are the ones who make it to the end. And so as she was studying that, she realized, well, there has to be some other explanation for this because... It's not purely brains. Clearly, if the smartest, some of the smartest people going in don't finish, then it, there has to be more to it than just smartness. And she ultimately developed what she called the grit scale, which was what... It, and she kind of describes grit as, uh, you know, that perseverance that doesn't quit, basically, that, yeah. that keeps going and keeps persevering until they get to the prize, till they get to where they were trying to go. Uh, and so she looks at different things. She looks at things like the National Spelling Bee and says, well, how, when you analyze the people who win the Spelling Bee, it's a grueling process, a number of levels, and they're all obviously smart people. But why is it that some of them, some people will end up winning the whole thing and others won't make it that far? Or they'll... Uh, they they can't study enough or in the right way, um, and uh, she's and so she comes back and says, well, talent is not all there is to achievement, um, and she says uh, she says I grew less and less convinced that talent was destiny, just because mm. you're talented at football when you're in high school or you're talented in playing the violin or whatever else that doesn't mean. That, that that you're going to end up making a career and being you know, famous doing that. Uh, there's other things. And, of course, there's, uh, for instance, she kind of talks about uh, McKinsey, one of the, the big consulting firms uh, yeah. internationally. And they pride themselves, for instance, in saying that they only hire A players. They don't, you know, they don't want B players, C players, certainly. All of our, we're all, a, it's, we're an A team, so everybody on our team is the Number best one. We, yeah. we hire nothing but the best um, and um, and so the, so you'd say so what are you looking for i mean how do you know who the best people are are the are they the people that get the highest scores on tests uh how do you determine who the ape guys are what's your measuring stick for that uh, and so she goes into an interesting study of that and she actually says that for instance one of the famous companies that followed that model was enron in fact, I think Enron was started by some McKinsey executives. Some A uh, players. Uh, in fact, uh, Enron had an interesting, brutal uh, approach where they basically fired the bottom 15% of their performers every year. So, yeah, I think I remember reading that. Yeah. At, at, at some so point. they're like, if you're not in the A category, if you're all A players, but you're in the lower 15% of those A players, you, you, you just automatically well, that get was, fired. You know, that was... Um, What's his name? W- was very famous in, in sort of categorizing, uh, you know, a workforce by sort of that bottom ten percent. Oh, I can't remember his name now. It'll, it'll come to me. He did. Uh, I think it's from Boston. Well, yeah, I'll, I, I'll think of it. I, but uh, well, the, the, so of course he says that Enron prided themselves in saying we've got the brightest people. Uh, in the industry, and even then, we still call out the bottom fifteen percent of our workforce every year, and we hire yeah. more people. So, so of course, you don't want to be in that lowest fifteen percent, or you're going to be gone at the end of the year. So, they they uh, I mean, they kind of bragged about the fact that if you had some Enron people in a, at a party, they were typically the smartest people in the room. But of course, uh, 
that also causes you to behave a certain way. Yeah, you, that, that, what is that You're kind not of pressure? sharing, you know, you're not helping out other people. Uh, you want to make sure you achieve and your numbers are great and that can tend to have you exaggerate your numbers yeah. and do anything it takes to keep your numbers up so you don't get down in that bottom 15%. And so uh, kind of an interesting study of of that approach, which says, well, just find the, the brightest people in the room and build a company with that and uh, they'll you'll be successful. But obviously there's got to be more to it than just right. brain power and, uh, you know, just getting high numbers. Uh, she, she has some interesting things. Um, she says, for instance, uh, uh, talent you have, you come, you have naturally, you're just, you have some God given talents, but skills come with hours of practice. And skills are something you may not be able to necessarily uh, develop talent. I mean, in a natural sense, but you yeah. certainly can develop skills. Skills are something that you can work on. And of course, she she quotes that uh, kind of standard that uh, has been bantered around now for a while, saying it takes about uh, ten thousand hours, hours of yeah. practice uh, to to master something to be an expert at it. Um, and she, she breaks that down further to say, I'm not, she's not talking about just 10,000 hours of drudgery and just, uh, hating every moment of yeah, doing your time. piano skills, but, uh, focused practice, uh, that is concentrating on developing certain skills and so on and, and doing the kind of practice that has the greatest return. But, um, lots of, so she says basically the grit has two components. One is passion. And the other is perseverance. Uh, she says uh, enthusiasm is common, perseverance is rare. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and she there's she has a lot to say about that. W- one of the things she says is that there's a whole lot of graduation commencement speeches that all talk about passion and follow your passion. How how many commencement speakers have said uh, you know. Find, don't don't waste your life doing something you don't enjoy. Find something you enjoy, and then you never work a day in your life. You, but um, but she says that that that's a bit of a flawed approach because when you're in high school or even in college, you may not yet be passionate about your your passion has to be developed. She would basically yeah. say hmm. there are things that uh, you you might not necessarily be thrilled about doing. If one thing you may not be very good at it right now, but yeah. But with practice, uh, you may actually, as you get better, you may have more passion. As you invest more, you may have more passion. And so she says that mantra of follow your passion, when you're a younger person especially, can be a little deceiving because you may not yet be passionate about the thing that will ultimately give you the most joy in your career. Yeah. Uh, and so she, she addresses some of that. She, she quotes uh, Warren Buffett. At one point, he was asked for advice about uh, like how to know what to do with your future, and I guess Buffett had said, "Well, uh, I list your top twenty-five goals. Get twenty-five goals that you have for yourself, and then basically, after you have a list of twenty-five goals, Buffett had said, and then ignore the bottom twenty goals. Uh, focus on the top five. Hmm. If you if you've got twenty-five goals, Buffett said, you'll never master." The, the, the main ones. So yeah. figure out the five that are your top ones and then put all your eggs in those baskets. And uh, so kind of interesting uh, approach. Uh, she said, uh, you know, the, the, in the world um, at large, only about 13% 
of people feel engaged in their work, uh, where they actually are passionate about what they do each day for a living. Um, and so she says that, you know, finding what you're passionate about is very important. And, uh, but she outlines a whole process of doing that and says some, sometimes that takes time and you may not be passionate about it right now, but if you are practicing and so on and, and, and investing in it, uh, you, you, you may discover down the road, uh, some passions that will last with you the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I, I really like that idea that, that your passion has to be developed. Yeah. You know, Cause you can see in so many areas of life that, that, you know, you're not passionate about something because you're not really good at it yet. And yeah. That's, that's an interesting, uh, approach. She, she says, uh, the reality is that our early interests are fragile, vaguely defined and in need of energetic years long, uh, cultivation and refinement. Hmm. So, uh, and so she talks about like de- deliberate practice, um, and uh, she, uh, this deliberate practice is kind of interesting. And she gives examples, of course, uh, of that. And uh, it just says that people need to have a higher purpose. Uh, if you don't, if you're, if you're just basically trying to earn a living, you only can have so much passion for that. Yeah. Uh, but for those who have a higher purpose, uh, that, that will sustain them when they have to get up early in the morning and go to practice and keep persevering. Mm. Those who don't have a higher purpose, I mean, it's just easy to get psyched out and just, yeah. and quit. And, yeah. uh, so when she says, well, what is it that, that gives some people grit that they just keep on going and refuse to quit? Well, some of that is because they're, they're inspired by the purpose and the, and that they realize that the sacrifice is worth it. And they talk about calling, which is kind of connected to that, to say, uh, People that are, are working out of a sense of calling missed uh, one third less days of work each year just from even sickness. It's, it's funny you think, well, either you're sick or yeah. you're not. But if you if if you love what you do, if you feel it's a calling to do what you do, it, it's meaningful, it's it's significant. You, you you may get sick just as often, but you'll come into work anyway. Yeah, you uh, can endure a lot more. Yeah, when you feel that it's a calling. Yeah, and uh, you persevere because I, I I've got to be there. I don't feel good, but I can't let them down. Uh, what I do is important mm. and, uh, I, I can't miss that. So lots of, uh, yeah, a lot, there's a lot of real practical advice along there. And, and certainly when it comes to, uh, parenting, uh, I, I think it goes against the grain of what a lot of popular parenting is talking about. When you, I, I don't know how many parents think about, well, how do I build grit into my kids? Yeah. If grit is one of the key factors in their eventual success, I can't have my kids quitting all the time or getting discouraged or psyched out at when troubles come or they've got a mean boss or it's they fail at something. Uh, so what do you do to build this sort of mental, emotional toughness where they, they stick with it long enough until they start to have success? Hmm. That's great. And I think that's a great place to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Twice a year, Black Community Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The next workshop is April 20th to 22nd, and registration is open now. The early bird rate is available until March 6th, and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. If you like what we're doing and would like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Even a little bit will go a long way toward keeping this podcast going for the months and years to come. To support this podcast, click on the link in the show notes. We are truly grateful for our wonderful community of listeners. 
It sounds like there's a lot of practical advice uh, in this book uh, for, for you, for for us, and in in, uh, in various places in our lives. So, what what else do you have that uh, that you pulled out of of grit? Uh, well, there's just lots of things. Uh, some things go are sort of counterintuitive, and then others make sense as you hear them. The, she talks a lot about uh, optimists. Obviously, have uh, uh, more success if you if you have some optimism, you'll endure uh, difficult times more. Yeah. Uh, optimists that she said tend to outsell pessimists by twenty to forty percent. Wow. So you're selling the same product, but if you're an optimist, you tend to have more success than if you're a pessimist. Uh, pessimism tends to be a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, they said also, if you have a growth mindset you tend to be more successful. If you if you kind of think, well, this is just the way I am. Uh, I, I, this is how I do things. Uh, so you tend to, that's about all you're going to accomplish is what you always have. If you feel like, no, I this is where I'm at right now, but I'm going to keep working at this. I'm going to keep studying and improving. Then you tend to keep growing and uh, and having more success long term. Because if, if, you, if you feel like things aren't going to change, then when things get difficult, it's like, do I want to put up with this? I mean, do I want to, do I want this to be my life? Just always this struggle and difficulty. Uh, if I've just got 30, 40 more years of the same thing, uh, that's demoralizing. I, I, let's quit. But if you have a growth mindset to say, well, it's tough right now, but uh, if I keep growing and bettering myself and developing my skill set, it should improve as time goes on. Then you'll tend to keep on, uh, uh, you know, uh, persevering because you know in time it's going to get better. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. They said even she even mentions that. Uh, well, even things like struggle, uh, struggle. She says can lead to hope or hopelessness. It really kind of depends on. Uh, I mean, we all go through difficult times, but if you if you are given the the hope that you have some control, that things can get better, that you can grow, then when you face uh, struggle you can endure that. But if there's no hope that things will get better, that you can't, it's out of your control, that nothing you can do can make it any better, well, then that'll tend to lead uh, to hopelessness because yeah. it, who wants to just, it's demoralizing to struggle all the time. Um, and that it, it, now the one thing that she also said that's kind of interesting is, which I thought was a real practical thing for parents. She said, when, when your kids are in school, that there's all kinds of studies that show that if you have your kid uh, in an extracurricular activity, uh, something besides just getting the classwork done, that uh, there's all kinds of studies that show that they'll do better with grades, they'll have better self-esteem, uh, they're less likely to get in trouble. Uh, there's just all kinds of statistics to show that. Now, if you, uh, now it says the average teenager spends about three hours a day on social media or TV. That doesn't count. That's not considered <laughs> yeah. extracurricular. Um, yeah, that's, but that's not part of the after-school program. Yeah, but uh, so whether they're in music lessons or sports or yeah. just anything, it, it doesn't really matter so much what it is. But uh, just simply getting them exposed to something where they're having to learn something new, being yeah. around other people, being challenged uh, personally in some way to grow, uh, that has all kinds of ramifications. And and uh, so I mean, you don't want to overdo it. Uh, it doesn't, it's not saying if you put them in 10 next curricular yeah. that they'll be if 10 one times is good, better. Then <laughs> yeah, but, uh, 15 is even better. And so, and she has a, some interesting discussions. We won't take time to get into it all, but parenting, uh, she does, she does answer some questions like, well, what if your 
you you put your child in ballet and then the child hates it you know you force them for the next 10 years to go to something that they hate yeah and i think in fact i think that was one of her examples and with one of her kids and ultimately she lets the child quit uh she's not saying that you never quit yeah. uh, but that you go through a process you don't just quit the first time you have a bad day right uh you think through everything and you try to understand why it's difficult uh even if you do improve will that matter to you uh or and especially when you're younger uh she would encourage you to expose your kids to a number of different options yeah help them to explore what it is that they can be passionate about um, I think too often as parents, we put our kids in stuff that we are passionate about. Right, right. It's That's like if I've, if I've got to watch my son I, or my, my daughter, I just as soon watch her playing softball every week than being a ballerina. So let's put her in softball. But but that's not maybe what her passion will be. Yeah. And uh, so this, there's an interesting discussion about that. Uh, something else that uh, she says that I thought was kind of interesting. She says there is a worrisome correlation between family income and and uh, and grit scores and uh, I, I think in part she's saying that if you've got money I mean obviously when it comes to extracurricular activities sports and things like that if you've got some money you can put your kids in a traveling sports team and that costs more money you can you can get them good equipment so that right. they're as, as you know prepared as possible for success uh, if you don't have much money, uh, there's just a lot of reasons why you won't necessarily be surrounded with the same opportunities, uh, even just having books in the house, uh, for instance. And so she does sort of make one comment there about how there's almost a, so it's hard, it's harder to get out of that social class because if you've got money, you're going to tend to be a little more optimistic because even if you do face a challenge, well, my parents will hire a tutor if I need help or uh, get me extra lessons right. or you know do do something. But if you don't have that flexibility, then you face challenges and it's just discouraging. It's just a roadblock, and it it may not. You're going to have a harder time staying optimistic and right. believing in a growth mentality if uh, if you have to work extra hard just to get there. Uh, and so there's a, you know, the, 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 she says things like the association between working hard and reward can be learned. Um, and, uh, and she says the bottom line on, uh, on, on culture and grit is if you want to be grittier, find a gritty culture and join it. <laughs> if you're a leader and you want uh, the people in your organization to be grittier, then create a gritty culture. And so she and she gives some examples of sports teams and other things where uh, some coaches came in and where teams kept being defeated before, but uh, you, you, you begin to teach them a gritty perseverance and growth mentality and don't get demoralized when we have a setback. And, uh, and so there are, there are ways even to create a culture of grittiness where Mm. And of course, that it, a lot of times it depends how you talk. You know, if you're going to always make excuses, or I've seen leaders that just even by what they say, they're om- they're almost admitting defeat even by the speech they're giving, by the memo they're putting out. And then there's other ways of using your language to say this is a setback. It's not it's not final. It's he quotes she quotes uh, John Wooden, that uh, famous coach at UCLA uh, basketball, who said success is never final, failure is never fatal. It's courage that counts, and uh, a good coach 
uh, just knows that. That uh, and finally, just to say, interestingly, she says, for instance, uh, there's a correlation between college dropouts and a higher rate of divorce. Hmm. And so, basically, if you didn't know how to handle adversity in college or when you were playing college, high school football or whatever it was, if you didn't learn grit to stick with it when things got tough, uh, then later on in life, when it's something pretty important like holding on to your marriage, uh, you, you, if, you, if you lost hope and got discouraged and didn't want to persevere in, in secondary matters... Well, then in important areas of your life, you may also not have the grit Hmm. to to keep going. And so I think that's why in some ways as parents, we need to teach our kids grit when it just comes to like going back to soccer practice this week, uh, because we we have no idea that we may be saving their marriage down the road because we taught them how to stick with it, even when it was hard and to keep growing and bettering themselves so that um, things would get better over time rather than just quitting and discouragement and saying it's going to always be this way. Well, grit, it's a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. And uh, both as personally as a leader and and certainly as uh, as you look at the people that you lead, uh, whether that's parenting or an organization or what have you. So uh, thanks for walking us through that. Uh, and again, we'll leave links to this uh, in the show notes where you can pick up your copy of Grit. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.